This episode is brought to you by Top 4. Who do you like most? Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, or Jerry Krause? Rank these people and more at top4.io. Hello and welcome to I Could Go On, the podcast where I interview the people I know about the things that they're passionate about. I'm your host, Harrison Stamble. My guest today is a progressive sports fan named Jay. I'm Jay Cassidy. Uh, I am former co-workers, friends, uh, trip mates, backcountry trip mates with Harrison. And uh, today, this morning, I'll be talking about uh, the NBA in general. I'll talk about, you know, whatever comes to mind. But I really do believe the NBA is a pretty progressive uh, organization. And that's what I'll be uh, talking about. I could go on. Can you tell me a little bit about why you chose this topic, why you think they're so progressive? Yeah, I a couple of weeks ago, no, a couple of months ago, maybe at this point, you asked me, what could I go on about? And uh, uh, NBA came to mind because maybe I was missing it. It was like right around the time that the NBA shut down. I think I was really missing the NBA. And um, they started they started talking about uh, like some return things from this whole COVID nineteen policy, and um, I started talking about I started thinking about how they're so ahead of every organization, and they really dictate what the change is going to be in uh, different economic trends and things like that. Um, so that is all to say the. NBA is made up of a bunch of owners and those owners. And I, I, I was thinking about why are they so ahead of the trends? Why are they so ahead of the trends? Yeah. These owners are all like tech moguls, uh, business owners of, of different things. Like Mark Cuban, he owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's not just the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He owns tons of different companies and he sits on boards with tons of different CEOs. These people know like what the trends are going to be, what's going to happen and things like that. And I feel like in the last 10 years, especially uh, they've really like, put their thumb on the pulse of being progressive and helping change come about. Has it always been this way or what was it like before 10 years ago? Yeah, I think it used to be kind of, I don't know. I, I like, we, we should probably put a big like uh, asterisk. I don't know <laughs> anything or everything. Yeah. <laughs> More like, I don't know anything. I'm kind of used to, I think it used to be like an old boys club. You know, my only frame of reference also is like the nineties bulls and then mm. like picking up basketball when I was, uh, you know, like, seventh grade later on um but i think it used to be kind of like an old boys club um so right around when i was graduating college in 2013-14 uh, a big story broke in in like around this time i think it was right around the nba playoffs time um donald sterling he was the owner of the clippers he had said some pretty pretty racist remarks to his girlfriend but by the way he was married um but like not you know girlfriend and yeah. wife um, and uh they they got leaked to the press and um the nba which is made up of many uh folks of color um i would say predominantly african-american folks um you know protested against it especially the his team his team uh i think later on that night or later on that week had a game and instead of you know wearing their jerseys they did something like they like put them on the court like inside out or they like wore them inside out to like, I don't play for you, man. I play for the game. Um, so I got me thinking about how, um, one, are there any good Donalds that I, that I like? And um, two, you know, the NBA is pretty, pretty progressive. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of fallout from that. Um, 
What yeah, what what specifically was the fallout? Like does Donald Sterling still own the team or does he did he have to step down? Yeah, great question. Great question. Um so the commissioner was recently appointed. It was Adam Silver. For a long time it was David Stern. And um the whole league was like, Well, what's gonna happen with Donald Sterling? Um, you know, he is such a man of influence. The dude's a billionaire, um, like Eight-year-old guy bought the team in the 80s, has had it for decades. They were always trash because he just didn't care about the team, really. Um, Adam Silver, in his first big sweeping power move, said, you're banned from basketball forever, and here's a $2.5 million fine, and I'm only giving you $2.5 million fine because that's the league maximum. I know you're worth, like, billions of dollars. If I could, I'd give you a higher fine. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So dude's never allowed in NBA like practice facilities, stadiums, anything like that anymore. And um, I think this is this is kind of interesting. Instead of them being called NBA owners, which has like a connotation with it, it's they're, they're the board of governors now too. So like Jerry Reinsdorf owns the Bulls. He's uh, I mean I guess I just called him the owner of the Bulls, but he's like on the board of governors and he he's the governor of the Bulls. Sure, sure, yeah, um, and that's like what they're you know they're called instead of like owners you know it's a little bit like less of a yeah less of a charged term yeah 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 old mindset and stuff are there other changes that adam silver has implemented besides changing from owners to governors and uh getting donald sterling out of the picture yeah Yeah. um i'm sure there's a ton that i don't know about that are like especially progressive and things like that um there used to be uh no dress code in the nba and i feel there used to be like this really bad boy connotation as well too. And um, like right around like the the Donald Sterling time, maybe like the the Donald Sterling end of Donald Sterling time, maybe a few years before that, I feel like they implemented a dress code policy too, which um, I I have mixed feelings about to be honest. And, but because it feels like a little bit of like, um, uh, not cultural appropriation, but forcing like, forcing this, like you have to look nice and things like that a lot of folks that play in the nba come from inner cities where like basketball is a pretty affordable sport to play if you've got a ball in a hoop in a, in a whatever in a yard um and so a lot of folks of color come up in the nba or they, they come up watching basketball and they come up in the nba and they're successful and they um you know aren't used to wealth and fame and things like that and traditionally wealth and fame in the united states you wear a suit you you know dress up, things like that, um, you carry yourself a certain way. And a lot of these, uh, you know, folks didn't like, haven't come up that way and just didn't notice that until I got a million dollars and I'm sitting courtside with like chains and NBA owners said, you gotta like look a little bit more presentable. And I think a lot of brands also said that folks were endorsed by Nike and, you know, things like that too. So they're getting a bunch of money also to be wearing like really flashy, uh, brands and t-shirts. But, um, in this like day 2020 now i guess we're not playing basketball right now but um it, it, the rules are you have to if you're like not playing in a game or if you're even arriving to the stadium you know the media is all over you've got to be wearing like a suit and a tie or something like pretty presentable wow. and i think um so that's why i feel that's all to say like i said i can go on about a lot of stuff but that's all to say why i think it's a little dangerous right but it's also interesting that there's been a dress code policy change i think the league players have really taken it in stride is there a reason behind it because like i know that in the past i remember seeing lots of players walking in suits into the game and it just felt like a choice like they wanted to you know present themselves a certain way 
But is there any benefit for the league now saying you have to wear these clothes? I actually don't know. Um, I'm going to leave it up to your listeners. <laughs> okay. To yeah. tell me. That's something for you all to debate. Uh, what would be the benefits of a dress code? I feel like that's an essay you had to write in, in elementary school. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That is, yeah, yeah. That is definitely pros and cons. <laughs> and then you might have to stand up and debate it. Um, yeah. No, but I think actually the league player. I think the players have taken it in stride too. There's, um, you know, a quick Google search of just like NBA uh, dress code, like search Russell Westbrook, like. James Harden, these guys come like looking their best. And it's like, who can look better? Who can wear the the crazier thing as well? Like at their post-game interview. Um, and I think it's, I think other leagues do that as well too, but the NBA is just really like taking it, taking it better. Um, the NFL, uh, you know, National Football League, like by comparison, I think I, all I've got to say is the name Colin Kaepernick and that like elicits enough emotion to realize like the NFL hasn't really handled like racial inequality injustice like uh that that well really and then you know in terms of baseball the third or second like those are like the top three leagues to be honest um shout out wnba though um mlb i think it's just too like uh there's 30 players per team by comparison there's like 12 on nba team um there's in an organization, an MLB organization, there's minor league teams. So that's 30 players times like three other teams. So there's a lot of folks. It's probably the most, MLB is probably the most diverse sport for sure, but there's just not as much exposure as well. Um, and NFL actually, there's this um, face mask uh, effect or something like that. They're not as popular because when you're watching an NFL game, you don't see players' faces. You don't know what they look like as much. The only faces you see are the ones like that get all the attention, like Tom Brady. You I, know, I you, knew, yeah. I was, like, that was the right? first thing that came to mind. That's all I can think of right now. And yes, he's a very attractive man, but it's because he's taken his helmet off and you see him talking on the sidelines. So I guess that's a good point, is that they, the players themselves have less um, autonomy because they're less celebrities. So it sounds like that's one one thing that you've highlighted is that the, the players have less say because they're not as celebrities and that could be the face mass effect and or the number of players involved as opposed to just 12 players on the court in basketball. The other one that you highlighted early on was that the owners are different in the NBA. There's a lot of tech moguls and stuff. What are the owners like in the NFL? Are they is that their one standalone thing? Um, I think that's well, I can only speak to two i can speak to three organizations of the nfl um one is the new england patriots which i'm actually whatever i don't want to be on the record about being a patriots fan but i think i just did <laughs> um, so robert Kraft is, does not seem like a great dude to be honest he owns the patriots um he i think might have been tied up with jeffrey epstein um i think he might have um he had some money tied up in a brothel somewhere too. Like his name was somehow associated to a brothel. Um, the McCaskey family is related to the Hallis family who founded the Bears. They seem like decent, decent folks. They've owned the Bears forever. And, I, you know, they're not, nor do families need to be uh, NFL or sports teams owners. They need to hire the right people to be sports teams owners. But you do have to be the face of an organization in a lot of instances. And then, so the third NFL team that I that I know about is uh, the the Packers. It's really interesting. They you can like buy a share of the Packers in some way, shape, or form. I don't know that much about it, but I know that like 
couple friends of mine that I went to school with in Wisconsin, um, they have like, you know, like little plaques that's like, you paid $30 and you're, a, you know, a Packers, like, you're like a 0.01% owner or whatever. So all that said, it sounds like the big things that are different between the NBA and the NFL are the players, the owners, but then also the audience, right? Because I assume, similar to what you were describing earlier about the accessibility of basketball, it seems like football is more of a rural sport. There's totally. a much more like Texas forever. I just think of Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Do you think that that has an impact as to why the NFL has been slow to become as progressive as um, like the NBA? That is that is a great observation. And I think I've, I've thought that at some point, but I feel like you just uh, materialized that into words way better than I could. <laughs> um, honestly, just saying Texas forever, you kind of summed it up. Like it, there is... Um, there is, yeah, there's more accessibility to the NBA for sure. And um, I think that like, there's, I, I go back to saying there's fewer players on an NBA team as well. So one, it's harder to get into the NBA for sure than in that case, but um, two, it's easier to see players as well, especially in this day and age, like social media, anybody can jump on social media, of course, but I feel like NBA Twitter is just the loudest NBA, you know, like, players uh, going on Instagram live and sharing their thoughts right after a game uh, it is the most uh, is, more, is more prominent than in other leagues as well too um, yeah and I, I guess like just social media is like accessible for everybody and maybe it's like the corner that I put myself in in social media as well I follow a lot of baseball and NBA are there specific players in the NBA that uh, really like carry the banner for social justice the most yeah, so recently, just like a couple of days ago, I read an article that um, Kevin Durant, who's injured anyway, and LeBron James, everybody knows LeBron James. Uh, ooh, I'm going to butcher a few other people, but like a bunch of like Steph Curry, who's also injured. Um, are these names ringing? I mean, LeBron James rings a bell. I've heard of these players, yes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, Kawhi Leonard. Um, like, those four come to mind right away and I'm, I'm embarrassed that I don't have uh, a list right here next to me of players that are that are also outspoken I'm sure a ton have you know their, their charities and things like that but a few of those a few a handful of those uh, players recently got together on a zoom call I read an article about and they're talking about like how they can return to, to playing after you know COVID-19 they were the first to shut down um, with, with COVID-19 and uh, they want to get back as soon as possible because they understand that like fans, families, individuals need that entertainment um, to, to keep them going right now. We're talking about some kind of like um, testing every player as testing is more accessible, um, you know, testing every single player, um, having it come out of the team's budget if they want to participate in like a smaller type of league um, where they would play in like I don't know, Vegas and probably just like live in like those empty casinos and hotels and then like play, you know, three on three games, but they'd be televised as, as entertainment. Um, you know, you can call that dangerous. You can call that reckless. And um, I, I don't think it's materialized into much more than just talks right now. Like those, those four or five guys like Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, um, you know, Steph Curry, um, uh, that's yeah. Those are those are the ones that are that are coming to mind right now. I'm I'm sure like Giannis, the the Greek freak. I'm not even trying to pronounce his last name on the Bucks. He's uh he's up and coming star. They're talking about how they can get back and and start entertaining people as soon as possible too. 
um, but you know, I also, I, I could go on about LeBron, like honestly, uh, as a big Jordan fan, a kid of Chicago, LeBron is still a pretty great dude. Oh, it seems like it. it seems like he does so much stuff outside of uh, just playing the games. He has different shows that he's pro- uh, pro- producing. He has different initiatives that he's leading. Um, so it seems interesting because, like in the NFL, the one person that comes to mind, Colin Kaepernick, got ousted for trying to take a stand, whereas the people in the NBA who are celebrated are the ones who are taking the social justice seriously. I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. What about uh, you mentioned before we started recording Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Does oh, he wow, do stuff yeah. that's related to social justice? Or oh, why I did. did. You, why did you mention his name? I don't know about social justice actually, and I know I, I, I have notes here that say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar social justice, um, and mine actually say question mark. Um, uh, so he, so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was born as Lou Al syndrome. Um, his name was L-E-W, first name Al, uh, last name was Al Syndrome. Um, and he converted to uh, Muslim, the um, state of Islam, I think. Um, I don't, I think once he was in the NBA, after he'd been in, in, in the NBA, he crushed it in college basketball in the 60s, 70s, and then um, came into the NBA and also crushed it with the Lakers, with the Bucks. Um, but he changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a more uh, traditionally sounding and written Muslim name, uh, because his ancestors were Muslim slaves. And he like realized, like he traced them back and he like he realized like Al Sindron was still a family name, but it was like a given name by, um, you know, uh, colonized like, like state or country or something like that at some point. So he was like, I want to change my name back to like represent like my my ancestry. People were like, what? You can't do that. Like, that's crazy. This was also around the time of um, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. You know, his reasoning behind it, at least when he was a star too, in the NBA was pretty, you could argue that it was progressive. You, you, you I don't even think you can argue. It was definitely progressive. Um, you could argue that it was for the right cause too. You mentioned before we started recording Malice in the Palace. What yeah. is Malice in the Palace? This is like one of my first, I was like in seventh grade in the Malice in the Palace. Um, Detroit Pistons and the, the Indiana Pacers. Um, I think it was like 2004. Um, does the name Ron Artest ring a bell to you? Yes. Okay. He changed his name to Meta World Peace. That's why I knew it. Yep. That, that name I know for sure. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing these days, but anyway, um, Meta World Peace, formerly known as Ron Artest, and you'll see why he maybe decided to change his name to Meta World Peace in like 2004, got into, and I'm not going to say like he started, I can't even remember what happened, um, pretty like physical, physical game, and um, I think he was tossed out of the game, he got ejected because like, you know, pushing, shoving, elbowing a little bit too much, and then uh, got pretty heated, got mad jumped on the scorer's table, which like, you know, right, right in between the two team benches and uh, was just kind of like laying there on his back with his hands on his head. And this is also equally to blame. People are crazy. Um, a fan threw a drink on him. So Ron Artes jumped into the crowd and started to like go at this guy. And it was just like the, the first time, like, what, what do you call that in acting? Um, Breaking the, the fourth wall. Yeah, the fourth wall was the fourth wall. It was like the first time really that's happened other than like, 
you know, giving a high five to a, to a kid after the game or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. It's a little, little crazy. Um, so that I think is uh, really what sparked, as I mentioned earlier, things like, you know, let's clean up the image. And uh, and that was world peace, jumping at a fan and try attacking a fan. World peace. Uh, he was Ron Artest then. Oh, and okay. then soon after that, I think that he made the decision to rebrand as Meta World Peace. So we've talked about owners. We've talked about the commissioners. We've talked about... I guess to a certain point, players and fans. But have uh, do you notice any changes with agents or anyone else who works in the organizations? Oh, deep dig. Um, yeah, agents are agents are, are crazy changing. I guess um, I, I recently saw again. I don't know that much about this, but I recently saw that um, the, the rules were changed that you don't need to have a bachelor's degree to be an agent in the NBA anymore. Which um, is like it's a lot of it's it lowers the access barrier for folks to represent their friends they maybe came up with um and you know to represent get into the nba in general you can have an associate's degree you can go to school for two years and if you're really well versed in business then you could probably do pretty well um i mean i work with a couple people that don't that, that have their high school diploma and they're better at finance than me like they're better at data statistics strategy than me so i think you know the role that you don't have to have your um, bachelor's degree or like a law degree or a business degree or an advanced degree really opens a lot of a um, lot of roads for for folks too of course it's dangerous but has anyone taken advantage of this change so far so lebron is like the first one that um like it's really LeBron has so much influence it's crazy um LeBron's agent has so much influence Rich Paul who is a friend of his from uh probably Akron Ohio um and he represents a few other players Anthony Davis um is is another one um that he represents that probably makes a lot of money to be honest um but he represents a lot of lot of NBA players and he doesn't have his his bachelor's degree um, Evanston, Daniel Poneman recently um, is, is certified as an NBA agent and I think might have his own agency too, which is interesting. Um, but I don't know, there's just like, it's obviously dangerous to be like, you don't have to have like further education to make these pretty big financial decisions, but um, it, it leaves a little bit of autonomy up to, up to players and things like that too goes back to that point of accessibility it makes it you know more opportunities for people who might not otherwise have them right um having you know your nba if having your agent be like maybe your friend or somebody that um that maybe doesn't have a bachelor's degree is also beneficial because in the past I, I can't tell you an exact story or anything about this but i i get the implication that in the past there have been players that have said you know my agent like kind of screwed me over actually and took advantage of my lack of knowledge because I didn't trust them well enough. So I'd rather trust my friend who I know knows about finances and strategy and, you know, helping out my image and things like that. Than, and who has my best interest. Yeah. Yeah. This guy that I've come up with and, um, you know, or, or I played ball with and, and really knows the league than this agent who supposedly represents players. It's like the show Entourage, you know, everybody needs their E. I really just, I, I was really just <laughs> thinking that. I, <laughs> I haven't seen Ballers. I assume Ballers is similar, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I started, actually, I think Ballers is, is, is that about uh, sports uh, That's about football sports agency, yeah. Yeah. So I know we're just about at time here. Um, yeah, is there how did I do else? on time? 
you've been crushing it. I, I want to give you time Ooh. for one more question. Uh, is there anything else that you haven't gotten a chance to talk about that you want to make sure our listeners take away from this conversation? No. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Jay. I really do appreciate you coming on the show and talking, talking basketball with me. Thanks, Harrison. Talk to you later. Thanks again to Jay Cassidy for being my guest and to my dad, Neil Stammel, for the theme music. <laughs>